Guys, I have had in three years. Bloody bit me. So it was funny to watch when the camera panned you guys. I mean, some of you were actually doing really well with this, and you looked very methodical as you did it. And then it was fun to sit on the front row and watch all the little rubber balls like roll to the front. There's probably, it's like a mosh pit of rubber balls up there, which is really, it's really cool. Uh, Clap if you got frustrated while you were doing that. Clap if you thought it was fun. I didn't think it was fun. I got frustrated. If I can't win, I don't want to do it. It's a part of my personality. I'm pretty competitive. And if I cannot be successful at it, I just quit. And actually, that's what the message is about today. It's about perseverance. We are in the middle of this message series during the season of Lent. And we are talking about the things that Jesus' life taught us. And so we've talked about forgiveness. And and it went viral. Jesus taught us how to forgive. And then he embodied it in everything he did. And so today we're going to talk about another characteristic that should go viral, and it is perseverance and grit. Grit's like the new hot word out there in leadership circles, and uh, they say that it matters more than uh, IQ or emotional intelligence, that grit is what keeps us from quitting. And so this morning we're going to look at the life of Jesus and how he demonstrated that to us, and then we're going to look at a couple of people and see how they have lived it out. And then I challenge us. What are the obstacles that we are facing in our lives right now? What is getting in the way of us persevering through them and overcoming them? I want you to take a look at a picture on the screen. Who is this? Oh, I know you know who this is. If I know who this is, and it's a football analogy, I know you know who this is. Say it again. There you go, Nick Foles, exactly. He is the quarterback, or he was the quarterback, I guess he still is, for the Eagles, and they won the Super Bowl over the Patriots. Now, he embodies perseverance. He's been in the NFL for like five years. He's uh, gone, he's bounced between, that's right, right? No, see, I've already screwed up the football analogy, and I was, I practiced so hard. So he has been, I don't, 2012 to 2017, that's what the career stats are that I found for him. And he started out with the Eagles, and and he was the third-round draft pick. And then after a a few seasons there, he went to the Rams and the Chiefs, and then he ended up back playing for the Eagles. But again, he was not their, their first pick to be the quarterback. Their real good quarterback went out halfway through the season with an injury, and so he stepped up to the plate. There was so much skepticism about his actually coming to be a leader on the team and coming to be their quarterback, and they were like, you know, who knows if their success will continue through the playoffs and then ultimately through the Super Bowl, and guess what? It did. He has a powerful interview, and I'm going to share a quote from that at the very end, but the point is that he never gave up. Even after his 2015 season, he wanted to quit. He thought, long and hard about dropping out of the NFL, but something stopped him from quitting. And once he didn't quit, guess what happened? 
I mean, once he made that inner decision that he was going to stay and he was going to give it his best shot, then look, he goes all the way to the Super Bowl. And not only does he go all the way to the Super Bowl, but he breaks a Super Bowl record. He is the only player or quarterback to throw a receiving touchdown and also... I'm don't laugh at me. I'm trying. I know y'all know I'm trying. You're laughing. Oh. So he is the only quarterback. I'm not going to listen to you laugh. He's the only quarterback that actually caught the ball during the game and actually threw the ball during the game. Okay, there. I should never use sports analogies, but I'm trying to be relevant to everybody and not just people that have interests that I have. But the bottom line is he persevered. Now, if you ask him why he did, he said it was because of his dad. He grew up in in a not so wealthy home and his dad was a, a restaurant owner and he rarely saw his dad, but he realized that his dad was doing all this and working so hard so that Nick could have the opportunities before him to perceive his passions and his goals. Now, that's the difference between perseverance and grit. And that's one of the things that I want us to take away with today. So to persevere means to go after something in a steadfast manner. And despite all obstacles and adversity and odds, we just keep going. Regardless of of what they are, we just keep going. Now that's perseverance. Now grit takes it to a whole new level. And truthfully, if we're looking at the life of Jesus, Jesus would have had not just perseverance, but Jesus would have had grit. And I think if we will hold on to some of that grit that Jesus had, then our lives will be so much richer and more full. We'll experience joy in a way that we never have before. Grit is when you take, and if you're Southern and it has three syllables, like I just said, grit. Uh, It's grit. That's still bad. Grit. If you have grit, I'm not, I'm just going to quote, I just want to start over. This is like the worst sermon ever. Oh yes, it is. It's it's all, no heckling. I don't know what you said, but it was funny persevere. Okay. Well, good. That is the whole point of the message. All right. So I'm going to calm down. All right. Grit. Grit is when you take your passion and you add your passion on top of perseverance so that you overcome all the obstacles and the adversity that is in the way. So perseverance is just when you have a steady way of going about it and you you work very diligently at overcoming the obstacles, but grit is when you match that steadfastness and determination with passion. And that's what Jesus did. So I I want you to take a look at the scripture lesson this morning. I'm gonna share with you several different stories that Jesus did from a very high level, but there's one story I want us to look at a little more deeply. On another Sabbath, he went to the meeting place and taught. Now, the meeting place would have been the synagogue. There was a man there with a crippled right hand. The religion scholars and Pharisees had their eye on Jesus to see if he would heal the man. They were hoping to catch him in a Sabbath infraction. He knew what they were up to and spoke to the man with the crippled hand. Get up and stand here before us. And he did. Then Jesus addressed them. Let me ask you something. What kind of action suits the Sabbath best? Doing good or doing evil? Helping people or leaving them helpless? 
He looked around and he looked each one in the eye and he said to the man, hold out your hand. He held it out. It was as good as new. Now they, and they would have been the religious leaders, they were beside themselves with anger and they started plotting how they might get even with him. So that is one story of Jesus like making the religious officials angry and the religious leaders angry. That's just one of many. There are lots of other times in his life and in his ministry in those three short years that you know he, he lived into the title of being an outlier or a renegade. So one of the times, he and the disciples, they were walking through these grain fields and, and they were hungry. So the disciples were reaching over and picking the top of the wheat off of the plants and they were eating it. And the religious leaders came up and said, whoa, it's, it's the Sabbath. What do you mean? You're picking the grain? And they're like, yeah. And Jesus is like, really? We're hungry. So that's one example. There was another time that uh, Jesus was teaching in the home of someone. And these four friends, I like to refer to them as stretcher bearers, these four friends of this gentleman who could not walk, they knew that Jesus had this amazing healing power and presence. So they got their friend and they put him on a cot and they were going to take him into the house so that he could be with Jesus and hopefully be healed. And so when they got to the door, I mean, you know, it was standing room only. They couldn't get in, but they were so determined and they wanted their friend to encounter Jesus and his healing powers and presence so much that they ended up going up on top of the roof, lowering the man through the roof. And then the religious leaders and teachers that were in the house, when Jesus said, you know, your faith has made you well, they accused him of blasphemy because they said, hey, you don't have any right or any power to heal people. Only God can do that. So there's another example. Now, then later on, Jesus set his face to Jerusalem. That means he, he turned and, and with great passion and determination and grit, he starts going to where he knows the end of his life is going to come. So he's going through and he, you have to travel through all these small towns to get to Jerusalem. So he was going to go into this town where the Samaritans lived. And remember, the Samaritans were scorned by Jews, but Jesus showed love to all people. So he's getting ready to go and he sends some messengers ahead of him to go on into the city. And when they do, and they tell the Samaritan people, hey, guess what? Jesus is getting ready to come. They said, no thanks. Now, can you imagine? Here's this man. He has healing power, and, and he's the buzz of all the people. And you find out that he's coming to your town, and you just refuse his visit. Well, that's what happened to Jesus. And then so he finally gets to Jerusalem and, and he ends up you know, getting arrested and, and taken into custody. And, and while that's happening, his best friend, one of his closest 12, denies him three times. And Jesus told him, he said, look, Peter, you're going to deny me. And Peter's like, no way. There's no way I would do that. I love you. And then sure enough, Peter denied him once twice and three times. When you read that story in Luke, you read that Jesus turned and looked at him. Can you imagine being Peter in that moment? If Jesus turned and looked at you and had already predicted that you were going to be the one that, that let him down. And this was right after all of the disciples had disappointed him. I mean, think about getting your 12 closest friends. You are facing some huge battle in your own life. And you ask your people, your tribe to come and get around you and, and pray with you and lift you up and surround you with, with peace and their presence, their ministry of presence 
presence. And then you ask them to be there for you and they either, they go to sleep or they just flat out don't do what you asked. The different gospels tell that story differently, but that's basically what happened to Jesus when he went into the garden to pray after the Passover meal. He knew what was getting ready to happen. So he went to the garden and he prayed to God, you know, Father, if there is any other way, if there's any other way, will you please take this cup away from me? And he, he implored the disciples. He said, look, will you pray with me? These are the 12 that have been with him his whole three years of ministry. They knew everything about him. And he had predicted several times now that he was not going to be with them much longer. And they had to know the the unrest that he was causing with all the religious leaders. And so he, he begs them. He says, please, just pray with me. One gospel writer has them going to sleep. The other gospel, well, but they both have them going to sleep. And, and Jesus was so frustrated. When he woke them up, he said, you know, could you not just do that one thing? And then when they put him on the cross, the women stayed nearby, but not the, not the 11. One of them had already uh, experienced death at, at his own hands because he had betrayed him, Judas. And the rest, we never find that they are around during the crucifixion. So here's Jesus, the one who has it all, right? He's the son of God, the Messiah. People adored him. When he rode into Jerusalem that day, I mean, they lined the streets singing and shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. He was revered. Yet they kept turning their backs. Now, when we encounter adversity in our lives, I mean, I made a joke about it a little earlier, but when we encounter adversity in our lives, sometimes our gut instinct is just to quit. It's easier to quit, right? And if we don't quit at the beginning, we, we set some boundaries for ourselves and we're, we say, okay, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to work on this until this much. And then if it gets to this and it's still too hard, then, then I'm out of here. Some of my clergy friends joke that every Sunday night and Monday morning, they look at the won't ads uh, to try to find a new line of work because they feel like they're just, you know, not effective in ministry. And then by Tuesday, they come back around. But, you know, we all face, I don't look in the won't ads, but you might want me to, but I don't, just FYI. Uh, They all face adversity. But we all have the opportunity to persevere. So what kept Jesus going? What kept him going after his best friends betrayed him? After the religious leaders were watching and waiting for him to mess up. I mean, they were trying to to trick him and trap him so that they would have justifiable reason to take him to court and ultimately remove him from having any power and any authority over people. They wanted him dead. But something inside of him kept him from quitting. And that same something that was inside of Jesus is inside of you and me. We just have to claim it. 
Jesus, it's important to remember, was not only fully divine, he was also fully human. He understood the pains that we feel. He understood the joys and the happiness that come with life. And he also understood complete and total isolation. After all those examples and after all those years of of people just waiting and watching for him to mess up so they could call him out on it. Ultimately, he does get arrested and and taken to trial and, and they say, crucify him, not the other criminal, crucify him. And so they put him up on the cross And then the most beautiful thing is that while he's hanging there, struggling and gasping for every single breath, he utters some words. Words like, Father, forgive them, because they really don't know what they're doing. He reminded his family to take care of each other. Woman, behold your son, and son, behold your mother. And then at the end, you know, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And we read that it's with those words that he died. He died with such grace and such dignity. Now, there are hurdles and barriers. It's a good thing that, and then he would finish the sentence. And then a few minutes later, he would say, it's a good thing that. And he would count another blessing that he had in his life. How many of us, when we're facing those kinds of odds and those kinds of barriers, do we stop and take a step back from the darkness that seems looming ahead and and we stop and we count the things that we have to be thankful for? That's one of the ways that we can grasp onto that perseverance and that grit that is deep within our souls. We can look at it with a different angle and with different eyes to see. And if you just can't do that, then ask a friend to help you do that. Or pray, God, this really bites right now and it hurts more than I could ever explain. I need you to give me new sight to see so that I won't give up. And so that I can say, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Whatever come, comes my way. The bottom line is, at some point, all of us in this room and those of you worshiping online with us, you know, we are going to face the end of this life on earth. It is, it's just part of being human. How do we want that to end? Do we want to end it, you know, bitter and, and sad and, and feeling like we quit? Or do we want to persevere and do we want to hold on to all that we can so that we run the race and we finish it and we claim our prize? That's what we can do if we follow in the viral characteristics of Jesus when he exercised perseverance and grit. It's up to us. We get to make the decision. I want you to take a look at this video. This is of a gentleman who is is famous for perseverance and grit. Look at how he chooses to look at his lives. Take a look. 
And you keep on concentrating on the things that you wish you had or the things that you wish you didn't have. And you sort of forget what you do have. And there's no point, I believe, in my life where I wish I had arms and legs, I wish I had arms and legs, I wish I had arms and legs, because wishing won't help. But what I've seen in life are just a couple key principles. And the first thing that I've seen is to be thankful. It's hard to be thankful, man. I tell you, when I was eight years old, I, I sort of summed up my life and thought, I'm never going to get married. I'm, you know, I'm not going to have a job. I'm not going to have a life of purpose. What kind of a husband am, am I going to be if I can't even hold my wife's hand? It's a lie to think that you're not good enough. It's a lie to think that you're not worth anything. I can't feel my hands. <laughs> I love life. You know, so many people come and say, how come you smile so much? And I'm like, well, it's, it's, it's a long story. <laughs> but it's very simple at the same time. You see, it's very hard to smile sometimes in life. There are things that happen that you don't know and you don't understand and you don't know if you're going to get through it. You know, you go through your storms in life and you don't know how long this storm is going to be. And today I want to share with you some principles that I've learned in my life that you can use in yours. Being patient is beautiful. I tell you, it's the hardest thing. But I realize I may not have hands to hold my wife's hand. But when the time comes, I'll be able to hold her heart. I don't need hands to hold her heart. You know, it is scary to know how many girls have eating disorders. It is scary to know how many people are just angry at life because of their situation at home and angry at others. It's scary to know how many people actually feel like they're worth nothing. Every single girl right here, right now, I want you to know that you are beautiful. You are gorgeous just the way you are. And you boys, you're the man. <laughs> On this DVD, I share my experiences in life of how I've overcome challenges and seen a new, fresh perspective in life. To be thankful, to dream big, and to never give up. I speak to children, youth, and adults about key issues and principles that I've applied in my life that has given me the strength to conquer all that comes before me. It's so powerful when he says, you know, we're lying to ourselves. 
if we think we're not enough. We're lying to ourselves if we think we don't have what it takes to overcome all obstacles and barriers deep within us. We do. We have God. And God revealed God's self to us through the person of Jesus Christ who came and showed us what it means to have grit and perseverance despite all odds. Whatever you are facing today, whatever your obstacles are, or maybe someone that you love so dearly, just pray and ask God to help you see with a different perspective and then, and then give up control. We try to control things way too much as human beings. Give it up because the power that lies in God is so much bigger and greater than anything we could ever imagine. Let us pray. Gracious God, you do hold us together. You hold us in and through all things, regardless of what the barriers and obstacles are that are in front of us. This morning, as we finish our worship together, I just ask that you help us feel your power and your presence so that we can confront the barriers and obstacles that we have in our lives and so that we may run the race that is set before us and you will help us on that path with passion and perseverance and grit. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So hear this quote by Nick Foles. I think the big thing is don't be afraid to fail. I think, you know, in our society today, Instagram and Twitter, it's a highlight reel. It's all the good things. And then when you look at it, you know, you think like, wow, when you have a rough day or your life is not as good as as that, you think you're failing. But failure is a part of life. It's a part of building character and growing. And without failure, who would you be? I wouldn't be up here if I hadn't fallen thousands of times and made mistakes. We're all human. We all have weaknesses. And I think throughout this, just being able to share that and be transparent. I know when I listen to people speak and they share their weaknesses, I am listening. I'm not perfect. I'm not Superman. I might be in the NFL and I might have just won a Super Bowl. But hey, We still have daily struggles. I still have daily struggles. And that's where my faith comes in and where my family comes in. I think when you look at a struggle in your life, just know that it's an opportunity for your character to grow. And that's just been the message. It's simple. If something's going on in your life and you're struggling, embrace it because you're growing. May you go and know that we can grow and face obstacles together in the power of God. Go in peace. Amen.